And we're live with episode 22 of the Everybody Mad Live podcast. My name is Sid Lover. Good afternoon to you. What's up, everybody? I'm Kenya Kabeen. Hope everybody's doing good out there. We got a great show lined up for you. What's happening, Sid? How you been, man? How's things going up in Detroit? I hear that uh, they're starting to open the city back up. You did? Yeah. How'd you hear that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, actually, it's late breaking so much. I don't even know enough about it, but I do know that the governor in Michigan is going to open, uh, will allow uh, movie theaters because, you know, we still can't go to the movies here uh, and gyms are still at 25 percent capacity. So she's going to lift some more of that because we're progressing through this uh, little thing we call COVID. This little yeah. pandemic, we're, we're actually doing well enough to begin to start to progress in some ways. Uh, so I'm happy about that, but I'm ready to go down south because it's football time, too. Mm-hmm, I know. And, you know, south is opened up, man. Oh, Everything yeah. is open. People are hanging out like I tell you all every week. So you really can't tell we're in a pandemic here in Atlanta, brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why we're staying far away from Atlanta. I don't even want to fly into Atlanta <laughs> airport. Like I really, really rather fly some, somewhere else because I know how y'all are. Every COVID. holiday. Y'all, y'all ain't missing. <laughs> we not. It's y'all COVID city, bro. I'm telling you, man. And, 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 and the nasty and the messed up part is everybody know y'all open, so everybody bringing all their nastiness all down to Atlanta. Everybody is coming here. It's like a so dish. Yeah, I know. It's like it's so funny because on social media, like you see people saying, okay, you know, I'm stuck in my town. I'm going to Atlanta. We getting ready to turn up in Atlanta. And no, y'all stay, stay wherever you are. Stay yeah. wherever you are. Please stay wherever you are. Please. Please, spread yeah. that, taking what you got somewhere else and all that good stuff. I know. Ugh, nobody wants to do that. Oh, but gosh. We do want you to be a part of the show. Uh, join us down here at that link. I always point the wrong way. Join mm-hmm. us down here at that link uh, down there, solo.to slash everybody, man. You can see all of our links for all of our shows, and you can also be a part of the broadcast if you want because we're recording this podcast live for distribution everywhere because we got a whole lot of uh, real smart people who we want to make sure you hear from today. Uh, namely, one uh, we'll be hearing from um, talking about COVID in the classroom. Since we're talking a little bit about COVID, uh, we're going to see what's happening with those teachers uh, who have to deal with now. You got a whole new reality. Now you have to teach now from a computer screen, just like we are. You yeah. can't even teach little man man how to uh, do his multiplication tables. And they got that new math too. I don't know how you teach that new math virtually. <laughs> Your <laughs> right. shoulder for real, right? And we're also going to close out National Voter Registration Month with a really uh, great uh, intelligent sister who's going to enlighten us on what's going on. So you all definitely stay locked. And thank you so much for checking us out today. Well, <laughs> the election is six weeks away. We all know this, and Trump is doing the most, saying anything, doing everything he can to get the black vote. So much so that he flew here to Atlanta, the blackest city in America, to today. Unveil- <laughs> to unveil his platinum plan, which will focus on economic empowerment for black Americans. Now, if reelected, Trump is promising 3 million new jobs for black Americans. And he also promises to create 500 new black owned businesses in the U.S. He also said that he will create alternative ways to build credit, including rent, utilities and phone bills and increase opportunities for small businesses, lending and technical assistance through community development, financial institutions. He also vows to make Juneteenth a national holiday and also prosecute the KKK as a terrorist organization. Throw it all in there, Trump. Throw it all in there. Get, get, hey. get, give us everything. He is doing any and everything he can to get the black vote. Do and who not. believes that? Who believes that? Because he lies all the time anyway. So my whole thing is, he's saying all this. There's no way in hell that I, like that people should be able to think, okay, he's for the black community and he's going to really follow up on everything he says. That's not going to happen. My thing, how can you even be in a position to say anything to anybody? Because who has been the president for the last three and a half years? You've had a Republican Senate that's been with you clearly because they kept your ass out of the impeachment. They kept your ass out of everything else. So when you're ready for some good stuff, you had the people together if you really wanted to do some stuff. So my question to you is this, Mr. Donald. Why didn't you do something over the last three and a half years when you had some power? Don't come to us in an election year when you're ready for some votes. We ain't trying to hear that, number one. Exactly. You know that he's all about lies. And this is so funny, too, because, like, you know it's getting down to the wire. We are six weeks away from the presidential election, and he's he's coming to Atlanta. 
coming to Atlanta to really try to sway black black people into voting for him. Really, bro? You yeah. really trying to do that? And you know, the, the whole time that you know I saw this because you know, and, and it's funny too, because I was trying to watch this uh Netflix movie today, which I'm gonna talk about. But when I saw the story, I was like, really, is he doing that? Who is really gonna believe the stuff that he's saying? This is nothing but shenanigans, and I thought about Ice Cube because oh, yeah. Like, uh yeah, oh yeah, we did update that story a couple of weeks ago. Uh that he was saying that Trump and Biden, both of those camps had reached out to them. And so this is, I, I really feel like this is just, it's, just, it's nothing but shenanigans. This is another another thing that Trump is trying to pull the wool over black folks' eye. And, and my thing is, y'all, like, we don't need to fall for that. And if you do fall for it, and if you do fall for that, you really need to rethink like your whole thought process with, with Trump and what's going on politically in this country. Because, have- go ahead. Go ahead. No, because no, it's, like, it's, it's some BS. It's really some BS. It really is. You've had more than enough instances to show us what you're going to do because you're in power. You yeah. hold the office right now. So all them judges you were sliding on through the Senate or whatever, you slid through 300 judges. And what? actually, no, zero is black. You had one Hispanic. So 300 judges and you couldn't even call our name not one time. No, yeah. you had more than enough time to show us who you are. I don't care what you're talking about in some press conference, holding up a piece of paper, whatever. We cannot trust you, bro. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. Yeah, he's telling you. I'll be glad when I, when my ballot gets here so I could just, just put it in and just go on with it. I know we uh, started <laughs> early voting here in Michigan, uh, what, the 21st? Uh, we started early voting here, so... Uh, my ballot is on the way, uh, but it's kind of delayed because of the mail. But mm-hmm. uh, my ballot Thanks is to him. Thanks to him. Be clear now. Thanks to him. Exactly. His administration. That's why the mail is delayed. He's doing it. That's voter, voter suppression. He's doing any and everything that he can to win this election. It, it, he, he's like throwing everything. At, <laughs> everything in the kitchen sink. Not only is he doing that. Hey, uh, Kanye. Why don't you run too? Right. He, he do that. He's trying to change the Supreme Court from a uh, what, like a five-four majority. He's trying to change it to a six-three majority, just in case it goes into something where the Supreme Court has to decide. He literally everything from voting from Supreme Court to yeah. other candidates. He you you also have Republicans who are backing up and propping up Green Party candidates. They doing all sorts of everything so that they can help him win. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. It's like let me find let me let me let me gather everything that I need because we we're we're throwing everything at this election because he knows he can't win. Yeah, he knows he's not gonna win fair and square because yeah. he didn't win last time. Right, he lost by three million to Hillary, and then people. This is the other thing that that like people don't really remember or or think we always say, yeah, he lost the popular vote by three million of Hillary. There's also another seven million people who didn't vote for him or Hillary either. They voted right. for a third party. So it's it, he he lost it by 10 million. Seven plus three is 10. Yeah. He lost the popular vote by 10, 10, right. 10 million more people didn't vote for him in 2016 than did. That mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah, and it is. even at a point to where we even talking about him and allowing him to do something. But let me jump off this soapbox because we'll stay on this the whole show. I know, I know. So we're gonna keep things moving with uh Trump because he's also been threatening to ban TikTok for months. Well, it appeared that uh he's actually making good on those threats this past week. The Trump administration announced plans to ban the popular social media app TikTok and also WeChat from all US app stores, citing national security and data privacy concerns. Now it seems that these security concerns really didn't start until after it was reported that TikTok users were the reason for his Tulsa rally to be unsuccessful. Uh, anyway, after November 12th, there could possibly be a total ban on the use of TikTok in the US. The yeah. Trump administration believes that TikTok and other uh, other apps like this are actually providing uh, data to the Chinese government, which Beijing and TikTok, they're denying. So pretty much what's gonna happen is users who already have the app will be able to continue to use the software. However, updated versions cannot be downloaded. Now, I'm not really a TikTok person. Uh, I, you do TikTok, don't you say it? Nah, nah, but uh, um, yeah, I just need one more thing to have to worry about and worry about updating. Yeah, he's going to do any and everything that he can. Don't forget you can leave your comments on the show. Let us know what you're thinking and jump on live with us. Uh, well, I know that everybody was mad this past week because, you know, ever since we found out about the 
her being gunned down by police in her uh, home in Kentucky. Everybody's been anxiously awaiting for the three cops responsible for her death to be charged. People been marching, people been protesting, people been waiting. There's been a compelling documentary that was on um, Amazon. On this case, celebrities like Oprah even used their platform that spotlights the injustice of Brianna's death. So we waited 194 days to find out that none of the officers will be charged in Brianna's death. Now, one of the officers who fired off 10 rounds, Brent Hankerson, was indicted on three counts of wanton endangerment in the first degree. Now, that's pretty much like a reckless endangerment charge. Kentucky, uh, the, the uh, attorney general of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, uh, who's actually overseeing the prosecution, said that Hankerson was charged by the grand jury because the shots he fired had passed through Brianna's apartment walls into the neighboring apartments, endangering three people there. Uh, he's being charged with one count of, um, excuse me, he's being charged with one count for each of the neighboring apartment occupants, which was a pregnant woman, her husband, and their five-year-old child who were asleep. They weren't hit or they weren't hit, they weren't killed or anything like that. But this crime is actually a class D felony in Kentucky, which means it can carry a sentence of up to about five years in prison and a fine of conviction for each count. Now, Hankerson uh, was bailed out of jail. He uh, bail was set at $15,000. He was bailed out on Wednesday when it was set. Like, so he's pretty much walked away, which is unbelievable to me. It's, it's everybody was angry. It, I was heartbroken when I saw this because it was like, damn, you know, with everything that we know. Yeah. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I mean, let's let's just like take it back to when it all happened. And and the cops claim they claim that they announced themselves. This is what they're saying. Their defense is they announced themselves when they came to Brianna's, uh, when they came to the apartment and knocked on the door, they announced themselves and say, said police. Brianna's boyfriend said, that's not the case. And I don't believe them. They got they got every reason to lie. Why would he lie? Why would Brianna's boyfriend lie about this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, part and, of that too, like they, there are witnesses who've, who've been interviewed. They interviewed yeah. 20 different witnesses and 19 of them. Actually, let me put it like this. All 20 said that they never heard any sort of announcement. They, uh, there was one in particular uh, who was a uh, one of the witnesses that was interviewed. They asked him again, you sure you ain't hear nothing? He told him, no, no, I ain't hear, hear nothing. Finally, on that third time, he decided that he heard something. So really, all 20 people said, nah, we ain't never heard no police announce himself ever, ever, mm -hmm. until they got this one guy. One dude. Him, and then finally, on the third time, he said, oh, yeah, I did hear something. But still, you still got 19 other people on the other side that said, no, right. we heard nothing. Those are the eyewitnesses. And then, two, you done gave $12 million a settlement money admits wrongdoing money admits something mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. if it don't give me 12 million dollars right give everybody 12 million dollars yeah. that money means something so yeah. there's already that but you just have, have, have like just so many cases of of just they're just not being forthcoming with all the information they're not telling the whole truth mm -hmm. and 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 like still now daniel cameron the the black attorney general won't even release all the transcripts or or the audio with the grand jury testimony. We want right. to know what happened with that grand jury testimony. What was what what was being said? Did you really go in there and fight for our girl? No, of course he did. It's it's too many lies. And then remember, they tried to paint her as yeah. as, as a crime syndicate boss. You know, I mean, it's just it's, yeah. it's so many lies, and we can't forget it. Like Tasha on power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we can't forget about this because I, I get it. People have short term memories. But remember now, these people have been dishonest from day one. Yeah. They have been dishonest from day one. So, you know, when this came out that none of the officers were going to be charged with her death, come on, man. That's a whole bunch of BS, man. I can't. And, and, and it's sad. It's heartbreaking because it now people feel like, you know, they don't have any hope. You know what I mean? The family, they took the money. And, and when I come to think about it, I really wish that the family didn't take the money now. I wish they would have just held out. We're no justice. You're not going to avenge her death or anything. You're not going to get anything. So you might as well just get this $12 million and then set yourself up. But like, keep fighting. Keep fighting the fight and keep supporting. Man, it's just sad, man. Yeah. Let us know your comments. I see a lot of people are commenting in the uh, uh, comment section over there. Really appreciate everybody rocking with us. We have some great guests coming up later on in the show. So you all definitely keep it locked for that. Said we're going to switch gears, man. Um, let's talk about what's going on entertainment-wise. We got some stuff. 
do you Uncle Ben's rice? Did you hear about that? Did they finally change Uncle Ben's rice? Oh, yeah. Uh let's see. They I just lost my notes on that. They're actually just changing it to Ben's original. And they took the uh African American man that was on the box, they took him oh, yeah. off the box. So it's called Ben's Original. This is great news. Um, but there still needs to be more things to happen and change as far as racism in our country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, more, more more stuff like that. I like what Bloomberg's doing. Uh, that's part of, uh, I think, part of just the spite. And uh, Bloomberg that made a whole lot of people mad uh, down there in uh, Florida with uh, what he's decided to do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, Michael Bloomberg uh, just dropped almost $16 million to help more than 32,000 felons in Florida to vote. Now, he fundraised this money to pay off the fines of thousands of felons as it was as it was actually preventing them from voting. Now, back in 2018, Florida actually passed a law reinstating voting rights for felons only if they pay fines and fees and restitution. So for some felons, that means they got to pay like almost $1,000 to go vote when the average person can vote for free. You know, so shouts out to Michael Bloomberg for using his right. to help people out, you know, right. just doing the right thing. There's man, he's just to be commended for what he's doing right there. And right. yeah, you coming out of jail, like who who's gonna have a thousand dollars or who's gonna have resources to that? So like it's right. really amounts to a poll tax. Uh and, and and they are pissed like Matt Gates down there um in uh Florida. Uh he's trying to start a probe into uh, uh what bloomberg is doing but how you gonna start a probe and how, how somebody want to spend their money yeah when 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 in fact he wouldn't even have to do this if florida's legislator didn't decide to go backhand uh what was happening with what the people told him. so that republican control florida legislator they said you know what yeah y'all can do that but we need our fines paid so mm -hmm. it's jacked up it's jacked up and it's jacked up how how everything is just intertwined. We don't realize how how so many things are intertwined and so related. It's not just Trump just trying to win and cheat. It's it it's relates to Florida and felons. It relates to so many other different things. And that's why I wanted to kind of continue our conversation that we're having about voter registration and how important it is. Because a lot of people, when we talk about voter registration, like they just center on Trump. All right, uh, well, I don't like either one. It ain't a win voting just Trump and Biden. Right. We got a whole list of stuff that we're voting on. And it's important that we do what we need to do from a voter registration standpoint and do that. September is National Voter Registration Month. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, we got a pretty good guest on hand. Uh, she actually uh, just wrapped up some time on Elizabeth Warren's campaign. She was the uh, director of community organizing uh, there for that campaign. And uh, now she's actually uh, director of leadership development over at uh, coworker.org. Uh, I want to welcome to the show somebody real smarter than us on politics and stuff uh courtney malone hey court what's going on hi hey y'all what's going on i don't know if i'm smarter than anybody on politics <laughs> every day well, right right so part of the work that you're doing now is helping people who are dealing with things like going to work and having to deal with their boss not giving them protection on covid yeah 100 percent. i think honestly I was listening to you all talk about Breonna Taylor and the case down there. And I think, you know, it is heartbreaking, but it is not surprising. And I think that the folks who are feeling apathetic about voting, the folks who are feeling upset about voting, like I will not blame them. I do not blame them. Yeah. And there is something that we need to be able to admit, I think. And I think that that truth is that it is systemic and it is institutional, the racism and the oppression that we're experiencing. And if we set our expectations to expect justice from a system and an institution that is rotten at its core, yeah. we continue to be disappointed. And I think, you know, some people stop there. And say, okay, well, you know, if I can't expect nothing out of this, then I'm not going to participate. Right. And I that that's the issue because, okay, this is true, but what's also true is that we are living and breathing within the system. Right. We have to have what I like to call a tiered strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And that needs to involve both exercising, you know, our rights within this system, and the biggest right that we have is to vote. It's to try to put people into power that we believe we can hold accountable to our issues. Right. And that's the difference. I think, you know, voting is like a, they treat it like a sport. So we're, yeah. trying, to, we're trying to get behind our the best player, the one that we like the yeah. most. But I think that's the wrong perspective. 
I think when you think about voting, you're trying to think about who can I push? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most likely to be pushed on issues that matter to me. Yeah. Who's most likely to be pushed on those things? That's who I need to get into office. And I think that that is the thing that people need to remember when they're thinking about, I hate the system. The system sucks. Trump sucks. Biden sucks. Cool. You're right. Also, we're still living in this system. And so what is our strategy? And I think part of that, you know, I think Angela Davis, she was on the Red Table Talk and she said it best. She was like, we need to be strategic about who's in office because that's one tier of our strategy. So one tier is, okay, voting in people who are accountable to us or who who are most likely to be pushed accountable to us. And the other tier of that strategy is to continue to manifest the dismantling of these systems. Yep. We gotta do both and yeah. Folks who are like anarchists tear it down, <laughs> folks who are like vote or die need to come in the same room. Right. And recognize that these are both, I think, tiers of you know a black agenda and a black strategy yep. for liberation. Definitely. Courtney, let me ask you something. What would you say to the person out there that is undecided as far as voting or is saying, oh, you know, voting isn't gonna make a difference? I would remind them that like change is not absolute. Change is incremental. With respect to the reality that we didn't get rid of slavery in one election year, with respect to the reality that we didn't get our voting rights in one election year, you have to understand that like the moral arc of justice has to bend toward, the moral arc of history has to bend towards justice, but it doesn't mean on its own. We pull it down. Right. One way to pull it down is with our vote. That's yeah. one way. And it's the lowest lever. I'm not even asking you for much. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's close. Right. And right. I think if you are if you're undecided about voting just in and of itself, then that's the thing to think about is like I want absolute change. I want liberation for my people. And I'm pissed about the system, but I'm also a part of it. I'm living in it. And so part of my strategy needs to be like, incrementally, what can I do? Incrementally, I can cast a ballot for somebody that I can push on the liberation that I'm seeking. Yep. I think that's for the person who's like, I don't know if I will vote. Mm-hmm. And then for the person who's unsure about who to vote for. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> At this point. Voting for Trump. <laughs> um, and I think that I would say, you know, even if I can't, if I, I can't put like the liberation of black people in the hands of Joe Biden, I'm not expecting that actually, but right. I'm expecting someone who's going to put um, some systems in place to help us manage the coronavirus. I'm expecting someone who is going to put justices on the court system, who will rule in favor of cases like uh, Breonna Taylor's and others. I'm expecting to put someone in office who is going to legislate in a way that makes it easier. Yeah. It makes makes the 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 like system more success, susceptible to our fights. Makes the system more elastic. Gives us more room to keep yeah. Right. I love it. I love it. So mm-hmm. um uh, I, I I really appreciate you joining us on the show, Courtney. Uh to uh, wrap up in in, in closing, let's let us kind of make it plain for some of the other folks because I know they hear and are, are talking maybe and maybe we're going a little bit above where they head are. So let's make it plain. Like me yeah. voting for the right person that's going to uh benefit my life positively, what can that get me? One of the things that you're working for in the organization is you do a lot at coworker with helping people get better environments at work so 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 like so like just i like just 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 rattle off just a couple of the uh initiatives that uh co-workers doing i mean (laughs) first of all uh if i'm working and there's a pandemic and it's either my life and my safety or my paycheck put somebody in office who's going to protect both who's going to protect your paycheck and who's going to protect your life. That's what's on the ballot. That's on the hazard pay is on the ballot. This is on the ballot paid time off. In addition to hazard pay is on the ballot. I think, you know, how corporate accountability looks when it comes to like discrimination and defending the lives of black people, that's on the ballot. I think Mm -hmm. 
Just so much. system is on a ballot. I said Breonna Taylor, everything. Breonna Taylor, Amaya Arbery, George Floyd, all of the all of these folks who were saying people who are saying we want justice in the courts. Well, that's on a ballot. So you need mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I think you know uh, our our ability to to walk down the street and not get harassed. Yeah. Who's going to deal with like crazy white supremacists? Who's gonna deal with that? Yeah, we need somebody. He's gonna deal with it. It's so much. That's right? what we're are, we gonna, are we gonna fan those flames or are we gonna put them holes out? Like, what are we gonna do? Right. I think I'm trying to get some water. <laughs> I'm trying to get some water. water's I'm on trying the- to get some water and douse douse some of this white supremacy and racism out. And really? and, and that's what I tell people. If if you can't find something to like in Biden, well, like something in Kamala. If you can't like something in Kamala, like something in that black woman that that, that he's already told us he's going to put on the uh, Supreme Court, right. within the court system. So find something to like. And, and I, I mean, I would take that a step further. Like, you don't have to like anything in the people. Like yeah. what their position in office will represent for what's possible. Like yeah. the possibilities that yeah. come from putting these folks in office. Like removing these student loans. Yeah, rid of student loans. Hey, Courtney, we really all these things are on the ballot. Everything. Yeah, yeah, Courtney, we really appreciate you joining us today. Tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. What's your social media handle? Oh my gosh, don't get in contact with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I'm on Facebook with this name that maybe you saw on the screen. I'm not sure. You should see it. Courtney Malone. I think there's a D in between. I'm also on Twitter, Courtney underscore Malone. And those are probably the best ways to talk politics with me. My Instagram is for all things Black Girl Magic and Fierce. I don't know what awesome. <laughs> underscore <laughs> Fierce. F-I-E-R-C-E. Got it. There it is. There it is. Everyone, this is Courtney Malone from coworker.org. We really appreciate you, sister, for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. And God bless with everything you do. All right. Thank appreciate it, so sister. Thanks Love for having you. me, y'all. Thank you so much. Take care. She was cool, said that was some good information. Yeah, right she's there. dope. Yeah, she's dope. And I so badly wanted uh, her to have a permanent job with Elizabeth Warren because uh, in my perfect world, Elizabeth Warren would still be the uh, candidate running for president I know, right I know. now. <laughs> but y'all wouldn't listen to me. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you were you were an Elizabeth Warren stand, like you definitely stand for her. But right. uh, we still we still have something good with Kamala. Oh yeah, that's who I'm rolling with because black girl in this White House. So that's yeah. what we trying to do. All day, all day, bruh. Excuse me. All right. Well, we got to get back to some more entertainment news that's going on. Now, said earlier today, um, you know, I got up this morning. I wanted to talk about this whole controversy with Netflix. I don't know if you heard about this whole cancel Netflix hashtag, but it's been growing due to this controversial film that's out called Cuties. Have you heard of this film? It's, it's what it deals with uh, little girls um, um, with, with their dancers, right? Right. So the film is is pretty much a coming of age story. It's a foreign film, but it's a coming of age story about uh, an 11 year old girl named Amy who's growing up in Paris. Mm -hmm. She joins a dance troupe that has the most sexually charged choreography. So pretty much too, Netflix came under fire when the poster of the movie was released because the, the poster was a little bit provocative. Once again, we're talking we're not talking about. Uh, 17, 18 year old girls. We're talking about 10, 11 year old girls twerking. Um, there's, you know, like something in the movie about them uh, charging up their their dance choreography to be a little bit more sexual. And then they start posting it on social media and everything. And, you know, I think for me, and once again, I did not watch the movie, so I can't give too much of, of an opinion, but I see where the controversy is coming from from these clips right here and you'll see. Oh yeah. So I did watch a little bit of the, well, so I think I opened up the movie, but but I see, started up where I, where, where I actually turned the movie off was where I think they were flirting with a group of bo- older boys. They told the boys they were like 15 or 14 and the girls actually uh, revealed that they were 11. So so at that point, I was like, I, I, can't, I can't even watch it to even give my even honest opinion of because I can't, I don't know, I just don't get down like that. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it is definitely overtly sexual. Uh, that yes. right there, inappropriate. 
that is extremely there's i mean this is a pedophile a pedophile would would just enjoy this movie right here but what's also a little bit creepy about this movie is just the way the camera angle hits the girls when they're yeah. dancing come on man that's 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 too much bro i yeah. feel like that's just way too much yeah they're too grown you know what i'm saying like 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 um <laughs> my grandma would say back in the day she'd be like oh she she grown she grown you know she fast <laughs> like Fast and loose and fast. hot. Fast. Like yeah, I, I, I just think it's inappropriate. You know what I'm saying? Like, and but but here's the question: Should Netflix pull it? Do you think Netflix should Netflix pull it? Because really, what's happening now is it's so much controversy, and people just want to watch it. Even we're talking about it right now, so people actually going to go watch this because we're talking about it to say, okay, like what's going on? So you know, that's bringing Netflix money. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, but I I, I just mm, huh get on that slippery slope of like there's a lot of other yeah. stuff that we're gonna have to start pulling. Yeah, um, but like I think a lot of stuff just comes down to I think it's just generational. We have just changed uh, just from a generation as to, to like what we allow and what's cool and that sort of thing. I don't know. It's just just different. I think sometimes we just need some help. We just need some help. Here's some help from some of the parents. Uh, we need some help with our uh, learning how to. Uh, get through this virtual teaching. Of the fog of my glasses. Okay. These are some of the suggestions, statements, and directions you can feel free to use to give the parents uh, of virtual students. Number one, please parents, wake your children up early enough to feed them and get them dressed for school. Also, make sure your child has the book, pencil, and paper when they sit in front of the computers. No laying down in the bed. Number two, parents, please make sure that you have the own proper clothing when you're walking in front or behind the child's computer. Because we done seen them in their drawers, the bra, and everything else. All right, remember, all children are on the computers and can hear your conversations. So please try to use proper language. No cussing, because if I say just no profanity, they may not know what profanity is. So no cussing, they know what that is. And number four, parents, when you are helping your children at the computer, please uh, do not appear with big joints in your hands and cigarettes. Does joint be big as a cigar? Oh, yes, we done seen it all. Oh, please not have that in your hand and in your mouth. Number five, parents, please understand that your child is in class and the parents should not stay in the picture and, uh, with, and make, the child, make silly face behind the child's face. Just the parents. Why are you trying to teach in your class? That's what you need to tell these parents what to do. Remember, all children are on the computer and they can, oh, that's the way, wait, 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 wait. Parents, please understand your child is in class and parents should not just stay out the picture. Wait, let me finish my last one, okay? Ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go okay. ahead. Okay. Um, Oh, parents, let your children know that, uh, make sure the children return to the class after fine arts and lunch, because they don't come back. And then, so how do you count that? Is that a whole day of present after what? Parents, the school day starts at 8 o'clock, and it ends at 2. Not 8.15, not 9.30, not 10 o'clock while the child is in his pajamas, and then he's trying to eat cereal and can't pay attention. Also, make sure the children have on underclothes, because we've had them show up. The little girls got their nightgowns on, put their knees in the chair, no panties, and the boys just walk around in panties. Please make <laughs> these are the things you need to tell them. <laughs> She's obviously having some challenges with all the uh, virtual learning, because it's a new normal for all of us. Our parents are trying to get their situations together with the kids yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, and I know it's a challenge because still a lot of parents will not send their kids back to school in this climate at all, mm -hmm. at all, at all. So, but, but I think it's important for us to continue the conversation. And now we got another smart person who's way smarter than us about education and that sort of thing. He's going to uh, talk about what's going on with COVID in the classroom. Uh, right now he's the chief teaching and learning uh, with officer at the, um, University Prep, and also uh, the uh, founder and the CEO of a organization dedicated to finding black, well, helping find black men and supporting them so that they can be educators, Black Male Educators Alliance. Welcome to the show, Dr. Curtis Lewis. What's going on, hey, Doc? Hey, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? What's you up, bro? Right, yes, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Good, good. Have, now, uh, you guys are doing a little bit of virtual, uh, what, you got 10 schools and about five, 6,000 students uh, in there. Are you seeing uh, some of the things that she was talking about? Parents all in the screen and 
and and and, and I, with their blunts in the hand. What are you experience? What are your growing pains? You, you, you know, I've seen that video a few times, and you know, the first time I saw it, I was I was laughing. You know, then I, I for some reason as I was watching it this time, I don't know, I got a different vibe from it. You know, I've been, you know, I've been all in the middle of my child. You know, I got children at home too, who's online, and I'm checking in. I'm making sure things are good, as well. So, we're, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from teachers, but they're hearing some of this stuff. They're seeing some of this stuff. They're hearing parents, you know, use the profanity in the background. But you know, we it, that ain't that's not new. You know, parents coming to school with that, you know, using that profanity. So. I don't see it as a, you know, like it's shocking as a bad thing. Look, the camera is at home now. We're seeing what's happening. Yeah. Right. And I just think, you know, we need to give each other grace. Like it's it's new for everyone. Life still goes on at home. And so, you know, if parents need you to come wash the dishes, they're gonna ask you to come wash the dishes, you know, whether you're in class or not. And so, you know, we're seeing some of those things, but you know, one of the things I'm pushing with my teachers to understand that like, you know, we're here to do the work, we're not here to judge. Um, and I think we get caught up in that in that space of like, man, this you know, if I was a parent, I would be doing. Well, I don't know how they have, and, and I I want to stay away from that, you know, engage the kids. Um, and we always talk about we want parents involved. Here you go, right? Um, <laughs> you know, it, that's that's we got a way to engage them. If the parents are all in there, to figure out a way to get the parent engaged in the conversation. So, you know, I I we can we can and there's enough negative going on. We can tend to focus on that if we want to. I think that's a distraction to what really we should be focused on, and that's trying to engage the kids in, in, in learning. So I like that. I like that. Well, and, and speaking of positivity, well, like taking the light off off of negativity and keeping things positive, uh, you're doing something positive in the community. You're the founder of the Black Male Educators Alliance. Tell us about that, and what do you all do? Yeah, so uh, we are an organization that's focused on uh, recruiting and retaining um, and we use retaining as a form of recruitment, right? And how do we um, keep our black males in schools, right? The ones we do have. And how do we create a pipeline to um, get more? There's only 2%. And in some cities and states, it's less than that. Um, Detroit has a pretty decent uh, population, the city of Detroit, of black male educators. But across the state, we're hovering around 2%. Uh, across the nation, we're hovering around 2%. And so that's a problem, right? When you know that our educational system, in particular our public schools, are more and more diverse, um, and kids need to see folks who look like them. Not yeah. saying that other folks can't do it, right? But it's important for folks to see themselves, right? Yeah. And so um, we're, we're committed to um, developing our folks too. So we not only want to get them in there, because oftentimes as a black male, you get put into a school and all of a sudden you go from a teacher one year and then you become a principal because you're black and you're male, right? And you can be a disciplinarian. And, and there, there's no development, right? So oftentimes black males are burnt out, they leave, um, and we want to prevent that from happening by providing opportunities and workshops consistently throughout the year to um, develop them. That's important. So we can get them there. How do we keep them? And how do we develop them to be, because I don't want just a black male in the classroom. I want a great black male teacher in the classroom. No doubt. So we want to do both. We want to recruit them, we, and we also develop them to be their best version of themselves. Now, there's actually research and data that says that uh, when um, particularly black males, uh, black male students, when they have a black male teacher, yes. uh, uh, their outcome is far greater. Like I, there, uh, there was a meme uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago that went around and they were asking us, when was the first time you had your first black teacher? And my answer was college. Mm, really? I never had a black male throughout my entire uh, elementary, middle and high school. But there's research that says Absolutely. that like if you have a black male present as a teacher yes in that classroom what sort of results will that yield yeah yeah and it, and it's and it's and then the research and it's for all kids right not just like students of color but like for all kids just having that black male presence um and and, and we and we talk about that a lot right and why that's important like the, the why is there right we we just got to convince people uh, to go into this profession because oftentimes it's looked at, you know, a profession for women, right? You know, 80% or close to around 80% of teachers are white females. Yeah. 80%, close to 80%, right? Um, and in some instances in the past, it was like over that. And so we we know, and, and again, I want to stress, like, I'm not saying it's problematic. What I'm saying is how do we diversify the teaching force? Because as you just said, it's, it's, it's important, right? It is proven that it's a, it, it yields 
positive results, not only in academic, but like just self-esteem, like who I am as a person, right? The, the meals that I had as a, as a student, like did tremendous amount of work for me. Like as far as just being a, a black man, like what does that really mean, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it just serves so many purposes and it's just so, so important, especially, I mean, it was important then, but especially now. Right, we 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 gotta diversify the teaching force. Uh, that's yeah. What what great teachers? I keep stressing that. Yeah, and I think be. that's a good thing too because it shows that there are good brothers out there that don't perpetuate a negative stereotype. So, like you said, like so, it doesn't necessarily have to be black students. You know, when white students, when white kids see that too, then they say, okay, you know, this is this is what black men really are. Then they carry that with them for the rest of their lives, and then. You know, it kind of, kind of combats like systemic racism, right? Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, because now you're you're combating that pot that that negative image, that that negative, image yeah, uh, of the thugs or whatever uh, we want to say, and you're combating it. Oh no, I don't know black men to be thugs. I know mm-hmm. Mr. Johnson. Right. He's cool. right. He's cool. right. I want to be like him. So that's yeah. really really a good point. Let me uh, relate it back to what we're saying now. Um, um as we uh because we want to honor your time, Doc, um, a little bit for your last question, but I want to relate it back to where we are. So we don't have enough black men as teachers, but uh, there are certain um, maybe policies that might be in place of people talking about helping raise teacher salaries uh, to things like that. What if we were to do something like uh, maybe like, all right, well, like you got entry level salaries that start at maybe 75K or 100K or something like that. If we put policies like that in place, would that increase our pool? Absolutely. I mean, I think it would, right? And that, and that's, you know, I'm an advocate for raising teacher salaries, period, right? I was a teacher. I started teaching in 2000, made $32,000 a year, right? Ooh. Teachers now are still starting off around that same amount, oh, wow. uh, $35,000, $40,000 a year, right? A little, little bit less than that. You start off at 40, you like, man, this is, I'm going to this district, right? Uh, and, and it's pathetic. It's ridiculous, right? And so I think, one, if, if I'm a math and I was, a, you know, a math guy, right? So if I'm a mathematician, I'm really good at math. I might as well go work, you know, as an accountant or as an engineer or a doctor or whatever field that requires math and make like twice as much starting off, right? Why, why would I want to teach it? So right. one, we have to definitely increase that uh, amount. And I think that's inequities across the board around our, our school funding, yeah. right? And so we got we to start with that. Like we got to start with that. Michigan is notorious for that. Right. So you got some suburban districts based on that, you know, the income, you know, the um, property taxes and all those other factors into the wake. Those teachers start off way higher than folks in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and so we got to fix that problem. Right. It, your, your property tax, your zip code should determine the quality of teacher that you get. Um, and that's often the case right now. So we got to start with that kind of policy, changing how we fund schools. We have to put more funding in the schools, period. Like it, it, it must start there. And then we got to incentivize it, right? This is hard work. So why would I come into teaching? And important work. Important work. I got loans and I'm making $40,000 a year. And it's going to take me five years to get up to $44,000 a year, right? Why would I do that, right? And so we have to really, really begin to have this real conversation. If we're really serious about getting high quality teachers and keeping our teaching force um, and not having all these subs in our buildings because we don't have enough teacher, a a good enough teaching pool out here, we got to really get at this funding issue and how we start um, our strategy so low. That's important. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I, so I tell my teachers when I was a principal all the time, like that is something I'm going to continue to fight for. I'm going to always advocate for. Um, and even in my organization, BMEA, we're trying to figure out ways and connect with universities about how do we incentivize folks to even go into teaching, right? Yeah. I mean, can we, look, it would be helpful if like, if you became a teacher, you go to school for free. Yeah. Right. I just want to be a teacher, but like, yeah, I can't afford it. Yeah. 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 But that's that's a hot topic for me, man. And I, you know, as and, and so what we try to do too in our recruiting thing is you don't go into this, and I hate to say this, like you don't go into it for the money. You go because this is like my a civic responsibility, like my responsibility to my community to be a part of it as an educator, right? There's different ways in which we can support our community, right? In the business, uh nonprofits. Uh, health, healthcare, but schools, like education is one aspect of our community where we can go in and support our community in. And so I try to pull at the heartstrings and say, like, this is giving back, like, in so many ways. 
and is is in helping to improve our community. And um, I think that works for some. But then, you know, at the end of the day, we people in our and our and our understanding, people still got to pay bills. People yeah. still got to have a living, right? And living off thirty-eight thousand dollars when you got student loans or other things, which you have to take care of, is just not enough. Yeah. So we have to start there. Yeah. Wow. Right. Well, well, Dr. Lewis, we really appreciate your time appreciate today. Uh, tell everybody how they could uh, get in contact with you and find <laughs> out more information about the Black Male Education. Ed- yes. Education. Go. Yes. Look at. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Black Male Education Alliance. Go like our page. I'm so horrible with these handles. I'm not showing my age, but. <laughs> Uh, Instagram, you just go search Black Education Alliance of Michigan. Uh, we also have a new fellowship uh, for new teachers, uh, new um, Black male teachers, years one through three. Um, the fellowship just went live today, so definitely apply to that. Uh, there's right. a small stipend involved in that as well. So We'll definitely put uh, the links uh, to get in touch with you and uh, so we can uh, further support because uh, uh, Black Male Educators Alliance, that is a non-profit, so we'll definitely... Yes. Uh, uh, put some uh, uh, links towards there so people can support. Brother, appreciate you guys. You. It's been a pleasure. All right, brother. Y'all have a good one now. Take care. All right. Thank you, man. We really appreciate you. Love to see brothers giving back and doing good in the community, man. That always, I just, I love yeah. to see that all the time. Uh, definitely good to hear his perspective on uh, what's going on with COVID and, and the need for uh, relating back. We got to vote. Everything we got to vote because everything mm-hmm. what our community needs, it all ties back to voting. Yeah. Because like I was saying to someone, we can't depend on people to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be nice if we can say, do right, do better, but we can't. We right. have to put laws and policies in there that protect people who are vulnerable. No who doubt. Are, we got a few topics before we close out the show. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see a comment from my cousin, Jahan, because um, I want to uh, circle back to the cuties. because he, he was making a good point about it. Because remember now, we did not see the movie yet. I'm going to try to watch it. He said cuties is and was necessary and was necessary because too many young ladies are trying to be these adult entertainers, musical artists, IG models, etc. instead of just being happy young ladies and enjoying life, which is what the young lady ended up seeing at the end when she was uh, jump roping. Uh, spoiler the- alert. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. I know, right? <laughs> it, it, it was over the top, however, this is the reality for a lot of young women. And that's true. I think a lot of young women, um, we talked about this last week, they feel pressure, especially with the whole uh, social media, to be something that they're not. Yeah. You know, there's lots of sexuality put out there over the Internet and stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I can I can do that right there. That was, that was a part of uh, that, that other thing on Netflix, uh, Social Dilemma. Um, that we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, it's like it, it, it's it's like you can't blame them because that's the currency right now. Like we mm-hmm. used to live for certain other, other things that that kind of made us whole, that made us feel a certain type of way in our adolescence. But now they don't feel those sorts of things. And uh, in order for them to feel feel appreciated or valued, it has to be on that social media. And it does, it's man. weird it's things like like if their posts don't get enough likes, they probably gonna take it down and delete it. Yeah, and they're gonna feel depressed. They get depressed. They start acting out and everything. It's sad. Again, people, you got to watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And another movie I want you all to check out is Annabella. Oh, Annabella. You got to check it out. You said you watched it last night? I did. Okay, okay. Well, let, let okay. Well, let me let me set it up. It came out this week. It stars Janelle Monae as a woman who's trying to escape from the uh, from a 19th century slave plantation. Now, I like the film. Said there was a twist that's throwing a lot of people off, the, and I'm not going to spoil the film at all because I think this is really going to ruin it. You know, if I were to tell you exactly what the twist was, but I think that the twist is throwing people off, and as a result, people are really dragging this film, saying that it sucks. But I felt like it was a good movie. I think people are upset that watch. I think people are upset because they watched this trailer of the movie. They assumed it was going to be one thing, but it turned out to be something totally different. And I yeah. can't really be mad because said you, they they clearly they 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 marketed this movie so a lot of people can watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it's totally different from what you think it is. And yeah. my whole thing is, it could happen. It it, it could happen. Uh, I mean, I like Janelle. Uh, fighting racism. I love Gabrielle Cinnabay. Like, yeah. yeah, like those uh, parts are cool, but just I guess like tying it back and that sort of thing. Like I guess from from a sub synopsis standpoint, we can say this point: Janelle Monae, uh, uh, what, 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 like she she falls back into time, right? 
Don't, don't you don't want to even don't you're giving too much too. You don't I don't want you to say too but that's much. in the synopsis. Like that's what it says. What you looking up, Seth? No, I was trying to see. Yeah. Okay, I thought the synopsis gave it up. So yeah, I won't spoil the movie for right. people, but and, mm. and you didn't like it. Cause see, a lot of people didn't like it, and and I get it that you know they they saw the trailer, they thought it was gonna be one thing. Then you know it says from the people that brought you get out and us. First of all, Jordan Peele didn't have nothing to do with this movie at all. Right. But a lot of people right. went into it thinking that he did. But I will say, of course, because when you see that, you know that it's gonna be something about racism tied into this movie, and that's why yeah. I had appreciation for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I guess too, we all got to do a little something, something to shed a light on how racism um, is is affecting the country. So, like, yeah. if you ever do it in, in in creative ways, uh, like movies and that sort of things, by all means, do what you got to do because whatever we got to do to end racism, I, I guess I'm for that. But so I, you, but you, but you didn't like it. You didn't like it. I wouldn't watch this again. Oh wow. Okay. Hmm. And I thought it was good. I thought it was a dope movie. Uh, let us know if you checked out Annabellum under the comment section. Let us know your thoughts. Got a couple more stories before we wrap things up. Dr. Dre's estranged wife, Nicole Young, back in the news. She's being accused this week of withdrawing an extra $30,000 plus from his business account, despite no longer being legally authorized. And she's also being accused of embezzling $350,000 from one of Dre's accounts in late August. Now, here's my thing. You know, she was probably thinking, you know what? I'm about to divorce him. If, if she was smart, she would have pulled a Shawnee O'Neill and she should have been stacking paper <laughs> all along. You know what I mean? Like in like in those Swiss bank accounts. That's right. if she was smart, she would have been doing that. So I bet she was thinking, okay, let me just start doing this. And then she mm. probably, Dre probably said something really sideways. So she was like, okay, we're going to get a divorce. And then you know, she got caught up with this uh, taking money out of his account and everything like that. But um, can you blame her? Yeah, because that's just a dumb move. You did it last month. Like, we're, like, like. of course, he's going to notice when, when you do it because most of what she was doing was happening in August. So, yeah, you should have been a lot more smart about that. You're going to take from somebody. Too. Uh -huh. And but, she, she seems like, but she seems like she's, because uh, remember how much money we talked about it last week? She wants a month. Like about well, like, a million like, dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, a million a month. Boy, stop. Let's make that the last time we talk about her. I'm tired of her. I know because it seems like we talk about it every week, man. Right, because every week she's doing something else stupid with money. Right, right. Yeah. I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no she ain't. Cardi B in the news this week. Cardi B and her sister are getting sued after slandering a group of people on a beach in the Hamptons, in the Hamptons and calling them racist MAGA supporters. Now, Cardi's sister, Hennessy, and her girlfriend were chilling in the Hamptons earlier this month when Hennessy spotted a guy wearing a MAGA hat. So she flipped out. Okay, now this, <laughs> I got an opinion on this. She flipped out on the dude. She cussed him out, allegedly spit at this dude and his group and recorded it, then posted it online for all of her followers to see. Then Cardi, what she did was she reposted the video saying that her sister was getting harassed because she was Afro-Hispanic and gay. So the thing was that because Cardi... Because Cardi, you know, she's a celebrity. She shared this uh, video to millions of her followers. Um, she wasn't even there, but this group is actually suing Cardi B and her sister. They claim that, um, you know, uh, Hennessy actually edited this video, posted on social media to falsely paint them as racist. My whole thing is, like, who cares if they're wearing MAGA hats? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so my whole thing is, you know, that would be just like when people try to de deface the whole Black Lives Matter mural because they don't like it. Like, leave it alone. You know, like, who cares? Yeah. If I have a Black Lives Matter shirt and I go th go to Publix, you're going to try to uh, yeah, spit was... on me and curse me out because I, it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So it shouldn't be one-sided. So I feel like she was dead wrong for what she did. Yeah. Mind your own business. If, if they got on that MAGA hat, so what? Who cares? Who cares? Leave them alone. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Going up into, yeah, I don't care what nobody wear a fly or whatever. Like that's your personal property. Some people put flags on their cars and vehicles and homes and things like that. Like, what are we gonna do? Scratch it off or take them off or de or deface their stuff? Then we start to be just like them. 
Yeah, nah. exactly. Like for instance, like you know, living here in Georgia, you roll through the city, uh, mm. even you know, real nice parts of Atlanta and stuff, and you see Confederate flags in front of people's houses and oh, stuff man. like that. You know, and, and and ain't nobody touching them. But then when you put a Black Lives Matter sign in your front yard, people exiting out, they burning it. You get a cross in, in your yard when you wake up, a noose in your backyard and stuff like that, man. These folks are crazy, man. Yeah, they tripping. Yeah. I'm a, even I like R. Kelly. R. Kelly tripping, too. Man, well, you know, ever since R. Kelly got his ass kicked by another inmate in prison, he's been trying to get out of jail on early parole but officials they're like nah bro you can't do that because the dude that actually jumped r kelly got transferred to another jail so they're saying look you safe it ain't gonna happen again and you gotta you gotta like fulfill your sentence you gotta stay He's in like jail. nah he was the only one hitting me that all all of them be hitting me he is trying to get out of that uh but i see why you got uh some of trump's people uh who were supposed to be in prison right now and due to COVID concerns they've been able to uh get out through certain stuff so he's trying to play his celebrity his celebrity card, but he's realizing that that celebrity hard card is hard to play when you convicted in black. You ain't got oh, it. You ain't got it. it. Well, I bet you R. Kelly would love that cutie movie. I bet he would love that movie. I just think he would. I think he would just be like, mm. you know what I'm saying? I bet he'd be he'd be like, mm. I'm just saying. I know. Okay, let's wrap up the show. Somebody else that wants to get out of jail is Kodak Black. He's right now in federal prison in Kentucky, and he says it is hell. Now, Kodak Black is saying that uh, guards have been uh, jumping him. He's claiming the guards, the guards have been jumping on him, beating his ass. He's claiming mental abuse, uh, religious suppression ever since he was transferred there back in October of last year. Uh, so uh, right now he's suing to be moved to a, a lower uh, security pr uh, prison facility, and he wants uh, damages and legal fees covered. So, I mean, my whole thing is, bro, what did you expect, man? You know, when you go to jail, you think it's going to be a, a walk in, in the park? You think it's going to be nice? You, you feel like, once again, you're black and a dude. You know, right. it, it's not it's not like, uh, what's what's the girl? No. Uh, Lori yeah, you had a little bit of money, but it don't work. Yeah, it's not like Lori, like he's Lori Laughlin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those. Uh, old girl got to choose her prison, her sentence. and Yeah. 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 yeah that, that, only, that only happens if you're a white woman. You know what I'm saying? Or a white guy. Like, it, it don't happen yeah. if you're black. So, you know, uh, he has to deal with the uh, consequences. You know what I'm saying? He has to take accountability for his actions. And it is what it is, Kodak Black. That's just what it is. Yeah, yep, that's what it is, <laughs> I ain't tell you what you are. You black. <laughs> As we wrap up the Everybody Mad podcast, really appreciate everybody checking us out. Don't forget, you can holler at me on Facebook and Instagram, Kenya Kabeen and uh, Kenya Kabeen One on Facebook. I always have to look at that because I always get confused. <laughs> and I want you to forget the password when it when uh, when it was just Kenya Bean. <sighs> it's a long story with that, but. Where that one come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. I really can't get into it, but yeah, just follow me on Facebook. Kenny <laughs> can be one, and Kenny can be on Twitter and on Instagram. You can be like me and say, "I'm saying lover everywhere." You can be Kenny Kabeen everywhere. Well, I'm Kenny Kabeen on, on on most platforms. How's about it? <laughs> All right. So um, next month is <laughs> what. Next month is September. No, I mean next month is October. So you get it right. What what month? What month? October. You just said September. I did, but I corrected myself. Okay. Next I'm just calling you out the way you be trying to call me out. Oh well, well, thanks. Thanks. We strive for excellence on the Everybody Man podcast. That's we do, don't we? We do. <laughs> Look at our graphics. Like we got one of the best presentations you ever seen on on a podcast. Now we really do. You, now really tell do. me, tell me a better podcast that you've seen that looks better. Than, like we got words flying across the screen and titles up down and all this stuff. We like we got words and pictures and stuff. We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but uh, next show, uh, so it'll be October. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we will uh, be talking with on the show a uh, two-time breast cancer survivor. She actually uh, uh, was misdiagnosed four times uh, with breast, mm. uh, and then she uh, is a two time survivor of breast cancer so we'll be speaking with her uh to get everybody a little bit of um 
kind of inspiration to get through uh, that because we know uh, cancer sucks and uh, yeah. we, we are focused on uh, the Everybody Man podcast. But thank you for joining us today. That's the end of our show. My yes. name is Dad Lover. I love you. I hope you have a great weekend. Okay, and I'm Kenya Kabina. I just got to say I was laughing because you just went back into newscaster mode of professionalism when you started talking about that. So that's why I was laughing. So oh, right, I, don't right. people, I don't want people to think that I'm laughing about, you know, cancer and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. until next week, we will check you all out. Stay safe, stay blessed. One love.